remember and celebrate service. It's a time to, to kind of think back on the year and remember God's faithfulness and to celebrate it. So we're going to do that. It's going to be a very family-centric uh, Sunday in, in that you guys are going to have an opportunity to share your thoughts, and we're going to stack some rocks. Hopefully, you got a rock or a stone when you came in. If not, we're going to make sure that the ushers will have them in a little bit to give you one. These are not to throw at me if I happen to utter some heretical thing or something, okay? Hold on to those um, because we will be using them a little bit later in the service. Um, as, as I was thinking back on this year, because I've had a couple of weeks to be preparing for this, and so I was thinking, what, how, have, how have I seen God? be faithful this year. And there's the obvious things that we notice when we walk in. Obviously, our, our, our 70-year-old church got a facelift, and that was because of God's faithfulness and your generosity that we were able to do that. So we were able to put in those porticos, which have been very helpful during the rains, uh, but also to put in that ramp, which is a blessing to our oldest and our youngest members. Yeah, come on. So we have walkers and we have wheelchairs and we have strollers that are able to use that and access the front of the church rather than having to come around the side. So that's awesome. And then something you may not be aware of is we were able to redo several of our rooms around the facility that were normally used for storage. Uh, as we, particularly over in our youth area, as we have seen an influx of junior hires, we've needed more rooms for them to gather in small groups. And so we were able to take some rooms that were formerly used for storage and rehabilitate them and change them into gathering rooms. So that's really exciting because that's the future of our church. Um, yeah, so, so that's kind of the, that, that's just the box. But remember, we are the church. The box isn't the church, but this is where we get to, to gather and, and to utilize it. So that's wonderful. But from a more kind of vision standpoint, Man, as I look back on 2019, I am particularly excited about the direction and the vision that God has given us. Because we did a nine-month journey that we called the missional pathway. Um, it was confusing to some. It was very, it, it required a lot of time and investment. But the hope that we had going into the missional pathway is that anybody who participated in it, one, would have a better idea coming out of it of how God has uniquely designed you to invest into the kingdom of God, the tools he's placed into your hands and how he's inviting you to utilize them. But then secondarily, but just as important, is how has God been shaping us as a church, a community for 70 years here in Costa Mesa to be a light in the sphere of influence that he's planted us in. And I went in expecting that God was going to kind of put his finger on the map and kind of point to a specific spot like the Avalon Apartments right across the street or maybe a school, maybe it's Mariners or something, and say, okay, this is where I want you to invest. But what God gave us is something way, way better that is going to have far more reaching impact than simply one spot on a map. And I cannot wait to share it with you but you're going to have to wait until January because that's when we're going to talk about it. We're going to spend the whole month unpacking what that looks like and the part you're going to play. But here's what I can tell you. For those of you who, who are like, oh my goodness, I'm so tired of change. Must we always like overcorrect and jerk the wheel and go? This in no way will be a change away from the major focus that God has given us three years ago. Our purpose as a church remains our purpose as a church, which is to make disciples who are growing in their love for God, their, their love for one another as they love their neighbors. That is our purpose. 
And the best part of what God gave us through the missional pathway is it helps flesh out and focus that very thing. It helps us really begin to do better what he called us to do three years ago when we sat down and said, God, where, what are you calling us to be as a church? So I can't wait to share that with you, but I'm going to until January. Um, in a lot of ways, as I think back on this year, it feels like this was a tilling the soil kind of year in preparation for the harvest. And I anticipate that the best is yet to come, but it required this time of, of preparing this facility, preparing our understanding of what it means to, to not only call ourselves a church, but to do life as the church 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But as with tilling, it's not always comfortable. And I think that many of us would probably, as we look back on this year, hey, good morning, gentlemen. How are we? I'm sorry that there's no donuts out there for you but I know where they are, so talk to me later, okay? Um, as, with, as with any sort of preparation, sometimes it's painful, and I can attest that this was a painful year, both within our family as we were walking with our sons through a really kind of painful time in our school uh, that ultimately culminated with us changing schools where they go, and we're so grateful for God's faithfulness in that. But also just as a, as a church community, I recognize we've had people who had heart attacks this year, people who have been walking through cancer diagnoses. We've had people that we love that have gone to be with Jesus. They're out of pain, but we still miss them. Um, We've had people who have been grappling with emotional stuff, with anxiety and depression, even some suicidal thoughts. We've had marriages and relationships that have absolutely gone sideways this year. It's been painful. It's been hard. And that's just scratching the surface of some of it. And yet through it all, we have been able, I, I have loved getting to watch as this family has walked with one another, as we, like a phalanx walking into battle, have held up our shields of faith as we stood shoulder to shoulder. And when one person felt faint, we were able to hold them up with our own faith. It's, it's been a beautiful thing to see. And um, I'm grateful for the ways that, it's not just Jeff and I who get to, to shepherd our church. I'm so grateful for each of you who has is, who is poured so much of yourselves into loving the people that are in your life group or the people that are on your block or the people that you just know from church. You guys love really, really well, and I'm grateful for it. And so it's funny as I look at this because it has been a year of preparation, and I anticipate that the foundation that's been set this year, God is going to build upon for next year and for years to come. But it's funny because I was thinking about it, because initially when I thought, well, what has God done? I, I couldn't think of a whole lot other than the fact that every pound that Jeff lost, I somehow picked up. <laughs> and I've got more gray hairs at the end of the year than I began with the year, but there's a ton God has done. And it just reminds me that we're a forgetful people, right? It is so easy to forget God's faithfulness to prayers that we have uttered or prayers we never even thought we could pray. And God answers them anyway. He shows up in the dark, dark valleys of our our life and walks us through some really painful, hard things. And our faith ends up being stronger on the back end than it was at the beginning. And yet we forget the moment that we kind of walk through one issue that just seems to eclipse everything else and we get to the other side of it, we forget. And then, you know, we move on to the next crisis. And it's not like that's anything new. We come from a long, illustrious line of forgetful people. And we take the Israelites. They were pros at this. They find themselves enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. 
God shows up and uses Moses and ten plagues to kind of break the resolve of the most powerful leader in the world at that time. And he finally relents and says, fine, leave, leave slavery. And they walk on their way to the promised land. And then all of a sudden they find themselves on the shore of the Red Sea. They're ready to cross through, but they don't know how they're going to cross it. And they look behind them and here comes the Egyptian army and God shows up. And God parts the waters and they walk through on dry ground. And then they turn and they watch as God decimates the most powerful army in the world at that time without them ever having to lift a finger to fight. And I can only imagine, they, they, they had this celebration service on the shore of the Red Sea as they watched the last of the detrius of this army that's been wiped out begin to sink in the waves of the Red Sea. And they celebrate God's faithfulness. And then as soon as that worship service is over, they turn and they look at the wilderness and they forget about his faithfulness because as they start walking, Scripture tells us they started complaining. Did, Moses, why did you bring us out into the wilderness to die of starvation or to die of thirst? Why couldn't we have stayed in slavery where it was comfortable and we had pots of meat to eat out of? It's amazing how forgetful we are when we get uncomfortable again and how it can, our, our momentary discomfort can eclipse God's faithfulness and the things that we've seen. And then God shows up for them, right? Manna in the morning, quail at night, water from the rocks. They're, even their clothes don't wear out as they begin to wander towards the promised land. And so once again, they come to the edge of the promised land. God has led them through the wilderness. He's provided water. He's provided sustenance. He's provided you know, everything that they needed to survive. They've come to the, 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 the promised land and they send 12 spies in. Two come back and go, man, it's amazing in there. It's a land of milk and honey. It's exactly what God told us it would be like. Ten come back and go, yeah, but, but there's giants in there. They're really big. And it's almost as if they have completely forgotten that God has already overcome Pharaoh and that God has already overcome the army and that God has already overcome the wilderness. And in that moment, the Israelites balk yet again because they have forgotten God's faithfulness. And so for 40 years, that generation of people who just could not trust God ultimately wander in the wilderness. They don't get to enter into the promised land. And then 40 years later, the next generation of Israelites find themselves on the border of the promised land yet again, and they're looking across the Jordan River into it. And God tells the leader of this group of people, a guy named Joshua, he says, hey, listen, you're going to cross over through the, Red, uh, through the Jordan River, and I'm going to do to it just what I did to the Red Sea. I'm going to part the water so that you can walk through on dry ground. But... Because I know that you're a forgetful people, here's what I want you to do. I want you, as you cross over, I want one person from every tribe to stoop down in the middle of the river and pick up a stone and carry it with you to the place that you're going to camp tonight. And when you get to that camp, I want you to build an altar of remembrance. We know them as Ebenezer's, which is where that term Ebenezer Scrooge comes from. It simply is something to help remind us. And this was Joshua's explanation of why they were going to do it. He says this. This is probably too small for you to read, but thankfully I can still read it because I'm closer. Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we'd crossed over. He did this 
so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. And we've talked about the fear of the Lord as not terror of God as if he's some divine traffic cop that's just looking to catch us in an infraction so he can give us a ticket or throw us in jail. The fear of the Lord is a reverential respect, a recognition that he is God and we are not. Therefore, we don't demand that he order creation around us, but rather we submit and order our lives around him. That's what the fear of God is. And that's why the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, because as you begin to order your life and your choices and your finances and your values around the heart of God, you find that the world begins to work a little bit differently than it did before, and you begin to recognize that even when stuff doesn't go the way you would hope, even when you find that you have to carry your oxygen around so you can take another breath, you still have a peace in the midst of that, knowing that the the brokenness of this world doesn't get the last word. So Joshua has them pick up stones and stack stones as a tangible reminder, not only to them, but to the next generations, that God is faithful we don't want to forget this because we will forget again. And we know that they did forget again. And there's, you know, a lot of history of forgetfulness. So we want to take a page out of Joshua's book and, and out of God's book. And today, hopefully you guys have a stone. If you don't have one, Charlie, would you, would you go grab the, the basket? And if somebody doesn't have a stone, oh, we got it right here. So if you don't have a stone, raise your hand. And Jack here's got the basket. He'll get you one. We got a few over here. Don't throw them, but make sure they get them, okay? Okay, so Jack's coming around with it. You'll get one. Keep your hand raised till you get it. I want you to take this stone out. It's been that kind of year. Come on. All right. I want you to take your stone out, and I just want you to hold it in your hand for a minute. And I want you to just take a moment to consider what this stone symbolizes to you. In what way have you seen God's faithfulness this year? Maybe it's something to do with your family. Maybe it has something to do with Uh, a prayer that you've been kind of holding on to. Maybe it has something to do with your own faith journey. I'm just going to give you a minute to think about it. The year was last time me and Jen did communion on our own, and you guys failed to take any parts and pieces to join us. So this time, this year, we'll make sure to make up for that. Um, God is good, and I hope that you know that. And it's fun to have a service at the end of the year where we get a chance to celebrate all the things that we've been praying for. Um, A lot of times we're good at praying, but we're not really good at kind of showing the results. And so that's kind of the goal with a a year-end service like this is just to remind this church just how faithful God has been, right? And we wanted to share with you guys too. You know, this year we, we saw that God was faithful in bringing us a granddaughter, and then this time last year, we, we lost a granddaughter, right? So it was, it was a hard season. You know, there's sometimes that waiting part for all of us is hard, but the reality is God is working through it all, and we are so blessed to be part of the journey with you guys. So thank you for my board game. Someone bought me a board game over Christmas, a fishing monopoly. Only you guys could, the Stacks family, only you guys, you guys could find stuff that, uh, that makes us feel so loved. So on behalf of Eric, myself, and all of the staff, Uh, We have a lot to be thankful for, and you guys are a main reason for that, so thank you for letting us share that. Um, As we get ready to do communion, I I got this passage. Can you hold this one second? I just thought this passage in the scripture was so amazing. 
you know, we talked about Christmas season just being this awesome time of, of great and wonder. And then I read this passage in Luke this morning just before Eric talked to me about communion. And this is from Luke twenty two, fifteen through 20. And he said to them, I have eagerly, wow, you guys know I am with communion. This is going to be a long, okay, here we go. I have said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Eagerly, waiting, desired to eat this meal with you. I don't eagerly desire communion ever, as you guys know. Uh, I'm always grateful to have my wife with me after 30 years of ministry because there's never a time in my life where I feel like worthy. But there's a lot of times where I have desire to be worthy. And so I just thought that was such an appropriate way to finish the year was in scripture just to remind us that when the Lord invites us to commune with him, he reminds us that he knew exactly what he was going to face. He could have called down 10,000 upon 10,000 of angels, but he knew what that price was, and he eagerly desired to eat it with his body of believers, with his group. And he knew that small little group of 11 was going to make a commitment to him that the world has never stopped seeing, right? We are here today as a repercussion of those first 11. And this initial conversation he had with him that I want you guys to know something. Today, today, when you commune with the Lord, he earnestly desired to do what he did for us. So even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel worthy, sometimes I think that's exactly where a believer should be. It should always come from a sense of overwhelming humility. If any of you feel worthy and you've got it figured out, please come talk to me or Eric. We're more than available to try to figure out what you got because that is not the overwhelming sense of what people in ministry feel. We feel like seriously unworthy, but a desire still exists. So as we call you forward to kind of come and get the elements, just want to remind you this morning, think about that as you commune with the Lord. He desired to commune with you. Please come forward and get your communion.